Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Really Useful Podcast. I'm Christian Corley, and joining me this time is my fellow Make Use Of editor, Ben Stegner. Hey, Ben. Hello, Christian. How are we doing How's today? Going? I'm doing yeah, fantastic. You, um, you, you, I wonder, have you been doing any retro gaming lately? Retro? Um, not super lately. I've been playing newer games lately, but I have, in the past couple months, I've played... I played through Donkey Kong Country 3 again a few months ago. If that's if that's old enough, that's Super Nintendo. Um, I don't think I've played anything super old besides that though. Recently, I've been I have I have so many newer games on my backlog. I, I kind of try to balance that where I only play older games if I don't have a lot of newer games to play. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That I mean that that's more than most people I would say. Yeah, one or two once in a while. <laughs> I well, um, I think what happens is like I have because I have a couple games that I bought like I have on like the Wii U Virtual Console or like I want to play on an emulator and I like want to play them but then it's like I turn on my PlayStation or my Switch and I see all these games that I haven't played yet and it's like I'll oh, I'll do the other ones a little bit later and you know it's easy to keep pushing them to the back of the list but that but there are definitely a lot of older games I want to play or replay it just takes me a bit to get to them. I um I mean I'm I'm the same and that's really what we're talking about this week on the release for podcast dear listener we're, uh, we're we're considering the the kind of explosion of retro gaming I know it goes beyond gaming I mean there's a whole look back at the 80s with um, TV shows like um the there's the there's the the one about the communists and there's the ones about the East Germans um, both of which the titles of which escape me there's also Stranger Things and they all they all take in different aspects of uh, 80s entertainment but, and then we've got this um, the, the resurgence of vinyl yeah that's uh, true as well which wasn't an exclusive 80s thing by any means I mean the CD first popped into shops in the 1980s along with the video disc uh, and and yet you know vinyl is, uh, is has made a comeback and then there's retro video games which is really what well, we're uh, going to be talking about uh, for the next uh, 25 minutes or so. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking at a Star Wars uh, Micro Machines figure, uh, toy, I, sh- I should say. It's, uh, it's an X-Wing fighter. It's from either The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi. Okay. Um, so, obviously, it's an old design from the 70s. It's been updated. And it, it strikes me, when I was a kid... There was off, often a, a um, I was talking about the 1980s and the early 90s, there was often a looking back at music and fashions that had gone on 20 years before and people would laugh about it and people would make comebacks and some of the music would do all right and you'd get uh, groups like Oasis who'd come along and kind of in some ways, and I don't want this to be taken as uh, anything more than a generalisation, um, repackage popular sounds and grooves from the 60s, typically Beatles-type uh, music, um, and you know, reinterpret it as their own. Um, but now, moving on another 20 years, the retro thing is very much around, not just kind of, just not homage, it's the actual material, the actual media, it's, re- it's enjoying those same things again. Yeah, it's it's interesting, because you said how, uh, like, a lot of the time when you think the retro or 20 years ago stuff, people do, you know, it's like a joke, you know, like the fashion of that time or like, you know, the music sounds corny or like the, the way that 
people decorated their house or whatever was cheesy and we laugh at it. But it's interesting how now retro in most cases is like a fond memory thing, not like, uh, oh, that was so dumb that people did that yeah. 30 years ago or whatever. Yeah, it is, it is strange. Now, um, we're, we're obviously different generations. So how old are you now, Ben? I'm 25. 25. I'm a little bit more than 15 years older than you. So we've got very different uh, video gaming pasts. Now, I started out with, well, to be honest, I started out with a grandstand light gun console with two paddles and a light gun. I think it was, I think it was a repackaged uh, Coleco console from the 70s. Okay. That was my very first gaming machine, which my uncle gave me without the gun. Um, so I had, because I think he broke it. So I had to just use these dreadful paddles play um you know pong tennis that's that's that was the first thing i had and then a few years later we got a commodore 64 and never looked back what was your first machine uh i remember having a super nintendo in the house when i was growing up um my fr- the first the first machine i remember playing games on regularly was the n64 and i got a game boy from my, my own game boy when i was a kid so that mm-hmm. era, so probably the oldest, I guess technically it was a Game Boy Pocket, so it was newer than the Super Nintendo, but that era, yeah, was was my childhood. So it was in so 97, 98, so time? Yeah, I remember, I think I was four when I got my Game Boy Pocket, so around 98 would have been around then, yeah. But I mean, the Super, yeah. like I said, the Super Nintendo was like it was in the house, and I probably like saw my dad play it or something, but I wasn't. Sure quite i don't remember it very well because i was probably younger so that's already there's an interesting thing there because that was you had 16 bit first i had 8 bit first you had a console first and i had a computer first yeah huh which 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 and those those two things led to very different types of gaming yeah i think very you're right different directions of gaming um you know, you eight bit machine with a two button joystick and a keyboard. And when I say two button joystick, I mean two buttons that do exactly the same thing, obviously. Uh, and a keyboard gives you games with kind of limited movements, but also the opportunity for text adventures. Right. Whereas with a console, you don't get the opportunity for text adventures. I think there were there were point and click adventures on consoles around the time, there wasn't there. I, that's not a genre I've explored very much right, of, okay. to be honest. I don't know if, like, I don't think Monkey Island and that kind of thing, I don't think that was ever on Super Nintendo. If they were, they were pretty limited. I do remember, uh, speaking of point and click, though, I I didn't play too many games on the computer when I was younger, but I did have the Humongous Entertainment games. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They were, like, point and click adventure games for mm-hmm. kids, like Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo, yeah, Pajama yeah. Sam. Yeah, I played I played some of those, and those are more, like, point and click adventure games. So I kind of have that nostalgia for those, but I haven't played, like, the hallmarks of the genre. Okay, okay. No, that's fine. That's fair enough. So, I mean, a little bit of background there to give uh, an idea, listener, where we're coming from without retro norting this week on the really useful podcast um because you know as i say this is a whole kind of a resurgence of appreciation for classic video games and ben and i come from different areas in this but the thing that we have in common is the desire and the ability to just go off and play old games in a way that you know you couldn't do maybe five years ago in terms of Android and iOS, and certainly couldn't do 10 years ago, and it was very difficult to do 20 years ago unless you had the original hardware. Right. I think it's, yeah, because 
I mean, mainly with emulation, right? It's it's become mm-hmm. so much easier to play th- things that were like even if you don't really have the system, um, you know. So in like ninety in the early nineties, if you wanted to play games from uh, a ColecoVision or an Amiga or something, you would have to probably seek out that hardware because you'd have to. Uh, play on the original hardware but now if you want to play a ps1 game or an nes game you don't have to go buy an nes you can just download it on the virtual console or play it on an emulator so it's definitely become wet more widely available probably obviously to coincide with computers becoming more powerful as you know emulators are easier to run and you can play uh games from more powerful systems and your, your computer can keep up yeah and also you can just go out and buy a um a, a retro console uh you know a, a 60 dollar nintendo 50 dollar playstation one the, yeah. the remake the little miniatures yeah yeah and i think that's i i think with with retro games like you said i i wonder if, I, games are my like primary media interest i mean I, I like music too but i'm not like super nostalgic with music but i wonder if nostalgia like it seems to be more of a factor with retro games than um, like people who were say, you know, into really old movies or whatever. Like there's more, I remember that game from when I was a kid, I want to re-experience it more than that music or that movie or whatever. I don't, I, wanna, mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because when we were, I think maybe because when we were kids, you know, when you played games, when you were younger, you didn't have, quite the critical eye to know if it was a good game or not. You kind of just played it and just thought everything was good. But I guess you could say the same thing about movies too. Mm. I'm not sure I'd agree with that. I I'm, I would like to say I've got a pretty good eye for movies and music and games. Um, well, a good ear for music at least. Uh, so I, I don't have too many embarrassing records in my collection. But other people might find them embarrassing. I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, movies. I mean, I um, there are certain movies that I saw in the eighties that I would not want to see again, um, and actively try to avoid. Uh, I will name some of them: E.T., The Goonies, uh, any any of the animated toys to movies, uh, movies except Transformers the movie. I was going to say obviously that's obviously awesome, um, but. Yeah, and there's probably others in there that I dare not think about, to be honest with you. Um, me, me, I mean, music-wise, I, the whole nostalgic music is only something that's just hitting me recently, um, nostalgia with music, because um, I've very much had a kind of very heavy, kind of hard rock, little bit of metal, mostly sort of bluesy stream of music through my life um apart from sort of the mid to late 90s where we had like a massive explosion in the uk of um what was called Britpop, so bands like blur and oasis um pulp uh, there was many many others um there was it was a very kind of uh insular is not the right word but it was like Brit- british people suddenly stopped buying american records so much as they had been for the okay. previous five years it was post nirvana as well that this happened or pa- post peak nirvana so it was like the downside of gr- the downside of grunge and all these british acts just started popping up with a completely different fresh slightly 60s sound but very much the kind of like late 63 um optimistic sounds uh 
which is known as Britpop, and it coincided with the European Soccer Championships in 1996, which was held in the UK. Um, so there's, there's, there's like this huge buzz, this huge great feeling around the place. The, the, and then like a year later, we got a new prime minister in Tony Blair. Um, so things started going bad again. But, you know, we had this small period of like a couple of years of like we had this, we, we had this like new sort of cultural freshness to the UK. Okay, and that's the only yeah. thing I ever feel just slightly nostalgic for music wise. Hmm. Everything else, because I think it's, I've been listening to classic music or music in the style of that, classic rock and music in the style of classic rock, um, whether it's new or old. I've never really had a nostalgia, just an interest and a passion in a, and a and a love for those types of music. But apart from just that late nineties, it's it's the whole nostalgia for music things kind of passed me by. Yeah, that, I think that's interesting. But I, you said you disagree, but I, it seems like we, I, what I didn't mean that you can't be. Sorry, what I didn't mean that you everyone liked movies and games or movies and music when they were younger that are bad. I didn't. I, didn't, no, 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 I no. meant that. I meant yeah. I meant that nostalgia seems to be more of a pool for people when it comes to games than other mediums. I would say, and I mean definitely yeah. I mean music definitely has. I don't nostalgia. It might not be nostalgia, but music definitely has. You know, you hear a song you haven't heard for five or ten years, and it takes you back to that summer or that that girlfriend or whatever. So that that definitely has that power but it seems like games just have such a nostalgia factor of like i want to play that again or that makes me feel like i'm five or ten again which i think is kind of what leads to this resurgence that we've seen yeah um well yeah the thing about the games is that i played a lot of crap and i knew at the time that it was crap and some of the times i wanted to finish it other times i just kind of put it at the back of a drawer it was that bad um there was a game called ghouls or ghoulies one of the two by the ghoulies no 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 oh. um it came out about 1983 84 it was on the okay. and the first game i had was um called galaxy which was a galaxian clone i think um and this was the, f- the first game i bought actually there was another game but i can't remember i can never remember what the other game was that we got with the machine and then the first game i bought myself in my own pocket when it cost about five pound 99 and it was ghouls and it was basically a haunted house game and it was horrendous the controls were dreadful you know sluggish slow to respond impossible to get off the second level i think there's only five levels um yeah it was terrible terrible game and you know I know on cassettes, you had to wait like 20 minutes for it to load as well, which had insult to injury. Um, but later on, you know, um, Com- Commodore 64 games were like £2. So um, I'm not sure what that would be in modern money or indeed in American money. Um, but, you know, it would probably, you know, you're talking... Four or $5 maybe? Yeah, maybe something like that. Only like the cost of a, like a magazine at the time. You'd, you could buy the same for a computer game. These were... Um, a lot of them were repackaged or re-released games. Um, they're from a company called Mastertronic. Uh, so, yeah, some of them were re-released. They, they might be 18 months old and they get repackaged and re-released. But the fact is, for £2, you could buy a new game. I was buying new games at least once a week. And I had these you know, acres of cassettes with all sorts of different games on. And it was very easy to find a good game. But it was also really easy to find a really bad game that you didn't yeah. want to play again. But with a Nintendo that you grew up with you're looking at like 30 quid a game aren't you yeah i mean i don't remember i just checked just out of curiosity by the way two pounds is about two 250 us so 
you know, roughly, I, I get what you mean. It was like, yeah, buying, buying a magazine or whatever. Um, yeah, third, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't buying the games at the time, obviously. Um, so I'm not hundred percent sure. I know like, game prices have done that where they've like on some systems, they were super expensive. And then on some, mm-hmm. they were not that crazy, but I, yeah, maybe I don't know how much I, I think this, in some, in some cases they were more expensive than they are today. And in some, they were less. So I think it depends on what game you bought, but yeah, it was much less of a, you know, if you buy it and it sucks, then, you know, you might not be able to get afford another game for a while because it was so much more money. Yeah. And back then, that was more when you pretty much, unless you were reading like a game magazine or something, it was pretty much like, oh, that cover looks cool. I'll buy that. You know, you're kind of going by the box art or the back of the box and not there wasn't reviews everywhere. So you didn't know if a game was considered good before it even came out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd have to, like, really stick to the reviews, get a really good idea, and know that you're reading a review by a good reviewer who likes the type of, who likes that type of game. Because you'd get magazines where the reviewers would be reviewing titles that they wouldn't normally not have played. Right, if they and don't like slate, it. slate a good game, yeah. It's, it's crazy how much that has changed, too. Um, I think about, I mean, this is, this is different than retro gaming. I guess we're talking more about things changing, but, like... Um, you know, how that's changed from, like, a couple of magazines that tell you about new releases and stuff to now, you know, with Twitch and everything. If you want to see a game, you just, you can watch anyone play it and see what it looks like for real instead of just seeing the trailer or whatever. But and that's a different topic than retro games, of course. Yeah. In the UK, a uh, Super Nintendo Entertainment System game would cost about £50. Okay. So that's um, more, yeah, $70, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, of that, there would be £7.74 VAT. The retailer would make £14.90, which is like 20, 30% for the retailer, okay? 15% for the publisher. Small percent for freight, small percent for duty, just 1% or 2%. Nintendo would make 33%. Wow. That's pretty games. More than twice the publisher would make. So, yeah. It, that's that's why the games are so expensive in the UK. I don't think they were that expensive. I don't I don't know about anywhere else in Europe because obviously we're in the European Union then, but we did, we're in the European uh, Community as was, so things were slightly different. But I don't know how things were in the US. But seventy pound for a cartridge does that sound excessive to you? Yeah, it sounds seventy dollars yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, I just looked and I found a site, but this this is like what you'd pay for them today. Um, there's a giant bomb forum here where someone says. NES games or Super Nintendo games were usually fifty dollars, although some were more expensive. Um, that's what he's saying. I mean, it's let's see, um, game cost. Yeah, I said Super Nintendo was between fifty and sixty dollars. Uh, N64 was fifty dollars, um, which adjusted. This this is from twenty ten, so fifty dollars at the time adjusted for inflation was seventy dollars. So I mean, that's yeah, it's 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 interesting how that. I mean, I guess it, yeah, I guess it depends. You know, I mean. Well, do you think maybe the cost of games maybe has encouraged people to go back to them a few years later? Well, I paid this so much for this and the system itself. You, you know? mean like I I have the Super Nintendo with all these games I never played? Why not go back to it? Because, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, if you're if if you just if you want to play certain games, I imagine it would probably get pretty expensive to do that because you know if you never played you know, Super Metroid or something that's like a well-known game. It's probably going to cost a lot, but I'm sure you could go to like a local used game shop and find, 
maybe a game you've never heard of, but it might be pretty cheap. So it's still fun to do that. You know, you can kind of you can kind of recreate that experience of just kind of buying something and not knowing a whole lot about it. And if it's older and not as expensive, why not give it a try? Yeah, yeah, totally. There's different ways, of course. We'll move on um, of playing retro games. Uh, you might set up a Raspberry Pi to do this, which is something I'm going to be speaking about in another podcast soon. You know, that's one way of doing it. You could you can play retro games on an Android phone. There's a load of um, classic games that have been re-released on Android and iOS. They've been remastered in some cases. Uh, for instance, there's a World War One game called Wings, um, which is mainly about being in the uh, Royal Auxiliary Flying Corps. Um, or the Royal Flying Corps, forget which. But it's basically biplanes in World War One doing strafing runs and dogfights. It came out on the Amiga about 1991 and it's been uh, remastered for Android. It's a really good game and it really gets you gets you there as well because it's kind of quite poignant. As, um, so, yeah, it's, it's a good game. Um, some consoles, I mean, I've, I've got some old Sega games on my Amiga, uh, on my Amiga, on my Xbox One. Yeah, yeah, there's collections. Uh, that, that, that Those Sega Genesis collections, I mean, they've... They've released that in some form on pretty much every system in the last 15 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Sonic, Sonic's Genesis Collection or something to that effect. And I remember even on the GameCube, that's where I was first introduced to Sonic. It was Sonic Mega Collection, and it was the first four games and then a bunch of other ones like Sonic Spinball. So that's a good yeah. collection. It's not too, it's a lot of games for not a lot of money. There's a device I've been using. I reviewed it a while ago from AQSoft.com called the... Um the game shell, this little thing here, which looks a little bit like a Game Boy, but you, it's modular and you put it together yourself. I um, think you might have. Sh- this looks kind of familiar. I think you might have showed it to me yeah, a while I think back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this um, is capable of running various uh, things by default. I think if I press that, and then yeah, and then and then that. I can play Super Turrican on the NES. Oh, okay. Um, which is great. In, in, in many ways, it's great. Uh, except for the fact that I absolutely cannot play it on this. <laughs> I was going to say those buttons look a little mushy. They, they are a little bit. Um, and also, I'm not as familiar with Super... They're, they're not great buttons, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I'm almost dead. Uh, they're, 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 I mean, they're okay. They're great. They don't... I wasn't that familiar with the Super Turrican version of Turrican before playing it. I basically got it because I like, love Turrican on the Commodore 64 and Amiga. And there we go. I'm dead. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't get off the first level. Whereas I could probably play Turrican on the Amiga without losing a single life. Muscle memory? Yeah, pretty yeah. much so, yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's a weird thing. Uh, it's, it's a nice little device, though. I like it. And it plays MP3s as well. Yeah, just just like an old style little handheld yeah. game. So. Yeah, it's almost like a like what the PSP or something was trying to be. Yeah. Like everything in one. Everything in one, yeah, yeah. totally. I think I'm not sure if it does video though. Uh, but yeah, so we're getting away from the point there. But you know, th- there's hardware that's great for retro gaming. There's hardware that's maybe not so great for retro gaming. Uh, I've been playing a game on my Android tablet. This is this another side of retro? People are recreating old games. Okay. Yeah, like remastering or not so much remastering, like cloning. 
Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen okay. that too. So, um, with I mean, in the Linux area, you've had people cloning games for years. There's a version of SimCity called Micropolis, for instance. Um, there's OpenTTD, which is the open source version of Transport Tycoon. Um, there's a lot of games that have been made open source that run on Linux. Um, they've, they've been ported across. Some of them will even run on a Raspberry Pi without any uh, without any emulation at all. They will just run natively on. Okay. On the Pi. Uh, I've been using a game on here, which is based on a... Oh, crikey, I can't remember what it's called. There was a series of games from a published called Anko in the... There it goes. In the 1990s. Um, there's a game called Kickoff. Um, there's a game called Player Manager. And a subsequent game called Kickoff 2. Um, they're obviously, um, maybe in British, they were games about um, our... Ridiculous weekend pastime of football, soccer. Okay. Uh, two out-and-out football arcade games predating FIFA by, 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 by decades. And a management game. Now, on, um, on Android a few years ago, this isn't currently available, although there's a new version coming along. There's a game called The... What's it called? The, the Soccer Player Manager 2016, which basically combines the two games of a kickoff and play manager. And I, I have to say, um, the, the visuals are absolutely bang on. Um, they look like they were created um, like you're playing an Amiga when you're playing the game. In fact, I've in, I'm enjoying it so much. It, I've even gone so far as to order a USB um, game controller, a competition pro, which is the type of uh, joystick I was mentioning earlier. When I was talking oh, about yeah, it. yeah. Four days. Um, it's a very sturdy controller yeah choice very there. little action in the on the micro switches and then these two buttons absolutely perfect for playing um that that type of football game um which i'm just going to plug it in using the uh, usb otg on my android tablet and okay. just yeah. relive the past um but so so there's the cloning side of the retro thing as well and that's this the whole fashion of retro gaming as well uh, I've got a yeah. Space Invaders T-shirt and a Commodore 64 T-shirt, which just has the Commodore 64 logo across it. Yeah, and it's I by, think it's by far and away my favorite T-shirt. I've seen like even in just like mainstream department stores, I've seen yeah. shirts and things like that that have not necessarily super retro, but like you know, stuff that you, we, I know is older, and it's like it's weird to see that on like a mainstream shirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, which it's but, like the consoles as well, isn't it? They've gone mainstream. The fashion's gone mainstream. Yeah, everything just kind of, I mean, I guess they say history repeats itself or whatever. It just kind of goes in a cycle or whatever. Yeah. I guess that's kind of, things come back. But then also I thought, I think interesting about retro-inspired stuff, like you were saying, is how, um, I mean, I, I think it was kind of a, a, a joke or whatever you want to say in the indie game scene for a while that a lot of indie games were, like, retro-inspired. A lot of them use, like, 8-bit graphics and go for yeah. that old-style look. Um which I think, I mean, I, I, a lot of people get turned off by that after some time. I really like that look, so I'm kind of a sucker if I see pixel graphics because I love them, especially if they're like a little bit um, modified. So it's like a, like its own thing. I love that like high bit look, if you want to call it that. Um, but I think it's another thing that's interesting is like how they can be inspired by older games, like the look, but they don't have like the, the problem, the performance problems that those games had. So, like, if you play a game like Shovel Knight, right, like, it looks like it could have run on an NES, but all the, like, 
parallax scrolling effects and stuff in the background that could have never happened on a real nes whereas if you play a game you know if you went back and played an nes game you would remember all the stuttering and visual glitches and stuff like that so it's interesting to what what could have been on the nes if it was just a little more powerful or whatever i think that's a really neat aspect of the retro revival yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't disagree with that i i i mean it is also good actually i i can't think of a bad thing bad side about it apart from the fact that some hardware doesn't work so well now um, yeah. obviously, I mean, the, the hardware that does work, you do have the problem of hooking it up to a TV. I was going to say that, yeah. Because that is Because problem, even if yeah. you have it, even if it connects, you, some systems just look like crap on a new TV because it's, like, meant for a CRT. Yeah. So you kind of lose that authentic experience of how it was supposed to look. Although you can get converters that make it look. Yeah. Like, in some cases, they give it that sort of uh, authentic, sort of analog look. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got hardware that doesn't work anymore, which is a real pain. Uh, I think um, the, the the Amiga computers, for example. Um, I think which one was it? Was it the Amiga 1200? I've got an Amiga 1200 upstairs, which I don't use at the moment. Uh, I had it out for a video review some time ago, but I didn't actually plug it in and power it on. The problem with the, I think. It's a problem for older ones, which specific, particularly a problem for the 1200, is that the caps leak inside uh, oh. the Um And they all need replacing um, because they can damage the motherboard. And if you charge, if you power it up, it's just not going to work. You're not going to get anything from it. Or if you do, you're going to get bad colors through the um, TV modulator. So, okay. yeah, so that, that you basically need to get it serviced before you can play it, or unless you know what you're doing, replace them all yourself. And it's about 12, maybe more of them that need replacing. Which is obviously that's not ideal, is it? Yeah, because yeah, it's because like, you find it in your attic and you think, oh, I'm gonna turn this on, and then, well, it doesn't work, and then if you re- if you figure out what it is, it's like the fun of like, oh, go grab the system, we're gonna go check it out, and, and then it's just like, yeah, it's not working, and yeah, I don't want to feel like taking it to a shop or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You can't take it somewhere rep- be repaired. You have to find the right people, and you know, you you might find them on eBay or you might find them on a group on Facebook or whatever, but is finding someone who you then need to trust with your hardware. Yeah. That you've, been kept, that you've kept looked after for like 20, 30 years in a box. And then you've got to sort of like send it away. And like, ah, do you want yeah, to do that? Yeah, because you, you don't know what's going to happen. It could get damaged in transit or they yeah. could be stupid and screw it up. And that totally. would be fun, obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, so there is that kind of dark side to it, which I think is a good you know the way around that obviously is uh, emulation on a computer or retro gaming packs on playstation or xbox or retro games available on android or setting up a raspberry pi or buying a little you know a nintendo or a playstation or the commodore 64 mini and now there's a later this year in 2019 there's a full-size commodore 64 being released so it's a Which, it's a mini, but it's like a full yeah. scale, yeah, with a, with a working keyboard and everything, yeah. yeah. That's that, that's that's like a perfect nostalgia. Like it's even better than the mini ones because it's because it's basically like getting a new system. Yeah. More, yeah. I mean, it is, but yeah, it's getting a new one. That's, yeah, right. It's a weird I thing think, as well. As well, there's something else people do with uh, C64s and Amigas. They um, set them up to um, with with card readers. 
Oh, okay. So they can load a bunch of so, games on an SD card? On an SD card, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, I, which is fantastic, I think. Yeah, that's a good idea. Will this one have that, the official one? Uh, well, the, the the mini works off an SD card, I think. Oh, so, okay. So, yeah, the, 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 the feature mini, the big mini, the maxi. Um, <laughs> may well do. So, um, i tell you what, we'll, we'll move towards wrapping up our retro gaming chat. And, you know, and I really, dear listen, we, we, I mean, we provide this because we, we, we're kind of interested in exploring what where this whole thing has come from and what it means maybe that's a little bit ambitious for us as a really useful podcast, but certainly the various options that are out there for you. Um, and I think we've probably looked at most of those. Um, there will be some links in the show notes to uh, articles that are relevant to this discussion that make use of that. You will find some retro gaming tips and hints and interest, just generally interesting matter that you can follow up with your preferred service, whether you're on Android, iPhone or windows or whatever. Um, but I am interested to know, Ben, uh, what's your ideal retro gaming experience? My ideal? Um, that's a good question because I, as much as I think, as much as I like the idea of like those mini consoles, like for me, I don't, I haven't really seen the point in them for myself, I guess, because um, I, I guess I prefer, how would I say this? I guess ideal would be like, um, having a right like perfect would just be having a, something i can put under my tv where you snap your fingers and you can download the whole nes library the whole whatever library and then just load them all on um because then i'm at, at my tv not at my computer because i prefer to play on a tv so it's like separate from work sure. um and then i can plug whatever controller is authentic for the system and like if money was no object and i was building like a man cave with that that would be probably my <laughs> favorite thing to do you know, have like, or, I mean, I guess, or like set up a, a, a computer, but have on like a TV to where like I can, I have like some kind of app that lets you manage your ROMs, like you're browsing through your Steam library or something. Um, but then I would have it be playing it with a controller, something like that, probably. Um, yeah, in, in practice, um, generally, if I want to play a game that's older and it's available on like the Wii U virtual console, I'll buy it there. Um, or on you know if it's if it's a PS2 game or PS1 game, I'll buy it on the PlayStation Store on the PS4 or whatever. But that's what I do practically. Um, but yeah, ideally it would be really cool to have like a dedicated Raspberry Pi or multiple for all the different consoles. Because I love like browsing, like I love scrolling through and like seeing all like the art, like the box art and everything for yeah, the yeah. games. That's like my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a great thing about the whole tangibility of um, classic media as well, isn't there? If you pick up the box you look at the art you flip it over you, you read the back the blurb on the back see the screenshots mm -hmm. and some of that some of those artworks you know uh in the 80s when they were producing artwork they had no idea what the game was going to look like so beautiful piece of art on the cover uh some some of those they're they're, they're like absolutely iconic yeah I, it's cool it's funny because i mean back i mean pre-nes and and up to that really like when the graphics weren't really there yet it was almost like the box art helped you imagine what the game was supposed totally. to look like yeah it yeah, kind of yeah, put you in yeah. the mindset to get to play it which was which was super cool and a lot of that art like you said it's it's cool on its own right it's just it just looks super slick yeah 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 it's um not not really miles away from uh in in many cases from uh, sort of uh, 70s rock, 80s heavy metal sort of art. 
album art. Yeah, I, I love, I'm going to say, I love album art. Like, I just love seeing, like, what it would have looked like when you were flipping through in the store yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of gone, not gone away, but in the age of the, the single on Spotify. I mean, no one really cares what the art looks like. But I love, like, the big, you know, just, it was, like, it was very, like, detailed. Like, there was a lot going on oh, in a lot of the art and a lot of the albums. So I, I love that. Yeah, helps an, yeah. To me, it helps, an, it helps an album be that much more iconic. I mean, a song, whatever, but when a whole album was kind of like, that's the album. You know, think about like Thriller or whatever. I mean, that's I mean that's a simple album cover, but everybody can picture that in their head, you know, because it was just so, so iconic at the time. Yeah, I've got a copy of Beatles' White album. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, um, it's a double album, so there's um, two vinyl discs. Yeah. And you get a poster... With the lyrics on one side, no, the look, oh, I can't remember the lyrics from one side and the, the photo uh, montage is on the other side, or whether they're both on the same side. But you also get um, four um, photos, one of each of the Beatles, okay. a profile of each of the Beatles. And then the actual album itself is just white. That's what because it's, 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 it's only called the Beatles, really, but it's known People as a white album it. because, yeah. because it's white, you know. Um, and, you know, you're listening to the album and you're looking at the lyrics and you're looking at this carefully constructed photo uh, montage of just bits and bobs and notes and photos of the Beatles doing stuff and people that they work with and their engineers, sound engineers and stuff. And you, you just don't get that now when you yeah, buy an album. That. You don't get that attention to detail, that, that feeling that you're actually, what you've got is an entire artistic product. You, basically, you've just got some MP3s that you click play on. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I try to I mean, I, mean, I use Spotify, so it's not I'm not trying to be this. I'm not like a vinyl purist or anything. But even on Spotify, I mean, I have my sidebar pretty large so I can see the album art because I, lo- I do love looking at it. And I I like, you know, even like reading a Wikipedia about stuff like that, where it's like, you know, the album was was well known because it came with this, this and this. Or, you know, whatever. Like, games do that, too, I think, sometimes, or they used to. It came with a little art book or something just to make it more of an experience to own the product instead of just, like, you know, here's a dump of the game on a disc, like, with nothing else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's going to wrap us up, I think, dear listener. We've we've reached the end of our retro gaming talk. I, I will just add that my ultimate retro gaming experience would probably be a choice between Civilization 2 on an Amiga with the biggest hard drive you can imagine or something similar on a similar old device with a huge hard drive and ultra-fast loading times. You know, just that general kind of thing, just to just to relive the best aspects of it rather than the worst aspects, like the way yeah. to load. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the end of the really useful podcast for this week. Um, retro Gaming is big. It's um it's not coming back because it's already here. So uh, let us know what you think. Check the show notes, and uh, hopefully this week's really useful podcast, the tech podcast for tech no folks, hasn't been too techy. We haven't gone into any details with anything really, have we? So we've, we've no, I don't think so. Yeah, we've 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 attempted to keep it light. So let us know if if uh, we went the wrong way with that, and also tell us your own uh, retro gaming thoughts and how you feel about the. the how, how the new retro gaming world is uh, is upon that, that is upon us is is affecting you if it's striking you have you been a retro fan and find this doesn't really work for you or are you absolutely wetting yourself with excitement let us know uh, until 
you hear from us again, uh, it's goodbye. All right. Take care, everyone.